Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I will speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. Hi there, and welcome back to the Energy Sector Heroes podcast. My name is Michelle Fraser, and every week I speak with incredible people who share their lessons, experiences, and stories from their time spent in the energy sector. My guest today is Lynn Penman. Lynn is an incredible mental health management expert and a trained psychotherapist. Lynn, would you like to introduce yourself, please? Absolutely. Thank you for asking me to come on, Michelle. So yes, I am Lynn Penman. I am the UK's leading solution-focused mental health expert. And I have trademarked my own solution-focused mental health management method called the Now Step. Because I went through a really bad journey with my own mental health, Michelle, about 12, 15 years ago and tried all the various therapies that take you back over your past. And obviously look back to your upbringing and your traumas and your previous relationships and how your childhood was. You know, we've all got a past, haven't we? And nothing made me feel any better. Nothing was helping me manage my anxiety. So ultimately then over the years when I started to work out what I needed to be the solution for my mental health, I then went on and trademarked it all and developed my own method, which I have just written my first best-selling book that's just been published. So that is out on Amazon and Waterstones called The Now Step, Manage Your Mental Health Without Going Over the Path. So yes, I work with organisations, corporate organisations and companies and various sectors, oil and gas being one of them, to help them to understand how they can use this new mental health management method within their organisations to support their employees. Because... Right now, everybody is on the mental health spectrum. And from my experience, all the way that things are currently managed in regards going back over the past and counselling sessions and having mental health first aiders and all the employee assistance programmes are all fine and well, but they're not actually given the solution. And that solution is that we need to all learn how to manage our minds. We need to learn how to manage that crazy lady and that crazy man voice inside our heads. So yes, so I work with companies, Michelle, I support them doing training, I also speak at corporate events, I do one-to-ones, and as well as that, I support individual professionals who perhaps don't want to go through their company, and they would rather just get in touch with me and come and work with me over sort of six to eight weeks to get support with, whether it be depression, anxiety, burnout, OCD, health anxiety, all the usual things that burden us when our mental health is not good so yes that is me in a nutshell I am also a single mum to four and I have got a puppy and I'm about to get another puppy next week just to add to the mayhem in my house so busy household for me and I live and breathe the mouse step method to be able me to be contented and happy and cope with all the craziness that goes on in my world Okay, thank you. A, lot, a new puppy, that, that sounds amazing, actually. He's just amazing. He's honestly the best. Your mental health is so good. It is. My sister's got a puppy. He's adorable. How did you get started off in your career? How did you get started off in your mental health? Did you always work in mental health? Did you do something else? I actually started out my career many moons ago, Michelle, as a midwife. So Bye. I have delivered lots of babies and looked after lots of families and things like that and then I 
was working night shift one night in the midwife lead unit and I had a patient who was like, Lynn, you need to be a drug rep, you should work in pharmaceuticals, it's the most amazing world and you get mobile phones and you get company cars and we're getting taken away in big conferences. So I actually left midwifery and went and worked for Pfizer, one of the big pharmaceutical companies and did that for a few years, very much in the corporate environment, Michelle, kind of realising the whole pressures in regards to sales targets and all the stuff that goes on in regards to companies and following from that I took a career break of my kids and it was during that period that I had my really bad journey with my mental health as in anxiety, panic attacks and just feeling a really dark place so I decided to go and retrain as a psychotherapist and learn and understand and study and read so much stuff about how the mind works and the brain works and then went on and decided to trade my own method and I started off up in clinics. I used to work in St Andrews and and other areas of five seeing people face to face. And then when COVID struck, my whole business came online like a lot of the worlds did. And obviously now it's amazing because I'm able to access people from all over the world who want to do one-to-one support sessions with me. So yeah, so that's how I came about to be in the UK's leading solution-focused mental health expert. That's a huge, a huge step to go from a midwife to go into mental health. Was it a mm-hmm. conscious decision that you made to do that or is it just something that you were really passionate about? It was kind of a mixture, Michelle. To be honest, it all happened around about the time when I decided that I needed to leave my marriage that I was in and I had four kids and they were very tiny and my mental health was really bad. And like I kind of, at that point, was almost at this crossroads like a lot of people are in regards to your career and your life and your relationships, when I was almost like, you know what, am I going to have to, I need to literally throw myself off the end of the, the end of the, like the, the cliffs here, I just need to go for this. And that's when I then decided, you know what, I am going to go and use all my experience and the things that have helped me to cope and get me over my mental health journey and help me cope with leaving my marriage and to look after four kids. And I'm going to go and give myself a qualification that's going to allow me to be able to share my if you like, my solutions and my answers to the rest of the world. So it was something that was kind of, it kind of all happened as I made that decision to walk away from my relationship that I was in. And it was almost one of those things when you start to get the ball rolling, it was amazing how quickly it all started to fall in place. It is, actually. It is a brave move walking away from from a toxic relationship as well. Absolutely. It was one of the hardest things. And I think I'm four, four or five years on now, and I think it's still something that, a very difficult thing, especially when you've got children involved. But um, there's always a there's always a better world out there, isn't there? There's always a brighter world. There is, there is. Because when I left my own, I don't talk about it much actually. Mm-hmm. When I left my own, it must have been about maybe about seven years ago now, five seven years ago now. It's like yeah. it just feels like my whole life has changed now. Absolutely, absolutely, and absolutely, and. If, for any listeners, perhaps people are going through similar things. It's a very, very, it's one of the worst things that I ever went through in my life. Like, I know that's not what we're here to talk about today, but sometimes it's quite good to share these things. And I know having lost my dad suddenly a few years before that, it was a lot worse actually being in that situation, walking away from a relationship. But absolutely, like you say, Michelle, sometimes we need to do what's right for us mentally and know that we are worth so much more than that. So much more. Yeah, I agree. So did you have any role models? Oh, did I have any role models in my career? Do you know what? The one that's come first to my mind is my dad. I think that's somebody that was a definite role model to me as I was growing up because my dad was somebody that was 
He always worked away from home, but he was always very committed to his family and very committed to obviously being there to make sure that he was supporting us. Like when we graduated and in times like when things were, when, it, when, when we, needed, we needed him. And I think that kind of instilled in me a really, really great kind of culture of, do you know what, like, we need to have work and we need to obviously go out there and earn money. But ultimately, as long as we're looking after ourselves and all the people that are surrounding us, as well as then we're going to have a win-win situation. So he has always been a fantastic role model to me, who sadly my dad passed away now, so he's no longer with us. But I would definitely say that he has been my key role model in my life and where I am now, probably. Excellent. Did you have any mentors during your career? And what was the most important thing that they taught you? That's a really interesting question, isn't it? I think because my career has been so varied, Michelle, like I can even think back to when I was a midwife and I can think back to an incredible woman called Jean Swan who is now, she's still with us but she's retired now and at the time when I was a midwife, she was my, if you like, if I was a student, she was like my preceptor and looked after me and she was just one of these people at the time, again, in the NHS and in midwifery and same with a lot of sort of like industries. There's a lot of people that work there that are not happy and they're overstressed and they're underpaid. Whereas she was always one of these people that was just incredible and in that she was so supportive and always amazing. And you know, the really interesting thing is we kind of lost touch over the years. But as I came back to do my mental health journey and obviously I was starting to see people face to face and I was doing a lot of my training and going back a few years ago, she was the first person when I was asking for people on social media to come and support me to come and do some sessions with me. So, yeah, a big shout out to June Swan. She's been one of the people in my life that's mentored me and obviously just been really, really kind and been really helpful. And I think for me, any mentors that I've had since then, I think to me it's all about being a great mentor and being a great leader. It's about you being able to to give your all to somebody else and to support somebody else without having your best interests at heart. And I think that's something that I take forward with me into my career, especially as people maybe phone up for me and ask for advice on how I got my career started or how I ran, how I got my membership running, because I run a membership as well, like a monthly membership, where I support people to learn how to manage their mind and their mental health. So I'll often get people saying to me, like, can you give me some advice and things? And I think to be a good mentor, you need to take away from what you're wants and needs are and you need to make sure that you're making sure that the people you're working with are ultimately happy. No, that's really good advice. Thank you. And I think it's that whole thing, isn't it, around and regardless of whether you're just a small company like I am or whether you're a multinational, I think it's that whole thing around, isn't it? Right, build a culture, not a company. Yeah, that's right. Make sure that you've got the culture right within your own life, a personal life, your own organisation, your own company. And then everything else will just fall round about it. Yeah, and I no. think it's something that's so, so true. But I think that's when we start to fall into the problems and where mental health has such a big effect on industries like oil and gas because there's so many people right now that are operating from that part of their brain that gives them problems with their mental health. And that then runs right through the whole company from CEOs all the way through management lines right down to the people that are like working on the platforms and doing stuff obviously and whatever else they may be yeah I agree I agree it's important to have a good corporate culture absolutely but at the minute a lot of people and even people in really high up positions have not got the the intellectual mind control and the way their brain is wired and is not wired into the right area to allow them then to be that kind of mentor that kind of leader because their life is so already caught up with 
having a full stress bucket and being in that primitive survival part of their brain that they're not able to lead and do what is right for the company or the culture. You think so? Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Thank you. Mm, you're welcome. What is the most challenging thing about your current role and how do you handle it? Oh my goodness. I would say right now the most challenging thing about my current role is working from home, the first thing that comes up for me, because I really always promote to everybody that I work with the reason that we don't feel mentally well. Well, one of the reasons is because we've got obviously not a high serotonin level. And one of the things that gives us naturally boosting serotonin without taking antidepressants is by making sure we're thinking about the three Ps. So the three Ps, Michelle, ultimately positive action and positive interaction leads to positive thinking. So anything that we are doing interactively that's positive and action in a week or a day that's positive is going to naturally boost our serotonin. So for me, I find it a real challenge to work from home, especially this week when I've got three of my kids off school sick with viruses. And you've then got obviously like the doorbell ringing and you've got like all, all the things in the house that can be distracting you. I know for me that I find working from home difficult because I'm not getting my positive interaction with other people and my positive action because a lot of my work is quite isolated. Yeah, I agree. I, I prefer working in the office, but there is a, quite a lot of people that still prefer to work from home because they're maybe feeling more like they're having a work-life balance like that. Absolutely, I agree. I think there's it's almost that situation because I have been asked so many times to kind of give my opinion on hybrid working and whether we should be getting people to come back into the offices and things like that post-COVID. And there is very, very much a kind of a line that you need to watch because like you say, for some people that perhaps have been commuting in the morning for an hour or two hours uh, that are now able to wake up and see their kids before they go to school. Do you know what I mean? Like That's a massive positive action for them. So I think every situation has got to be really, really individualised. But I know for me, being a single mum and having four kids and being stuck in the house and trying to run my business and then like do things today like we used to record podcasts but yet my kids are here like it's always always a challenge for me always thank you you're welcome how does your dream role compared to your aspirations as a young girl oh my goodness that's a really, really great question my aspirations you know what right I think looking back when I was a little girl all I ever wanted to do, Michelle, was to get married and have kids. Whereas when I think about where I'm at now and I think about myself as being a business owner and an entrepreneur, I see myself as being so much more than somebody that's just married and that's got children. So that doesn't take away from the fact that my dream job when I was younger is not what I've actually done nowadays because I have. I've been there. I've been married. I've got my four kids. Like, I love being a mum. It's the most incredible job. But my aspirations now in regards to being a CEO of my own business and making decisions, obviously trying to grow my team and bring sales in, to me has got a lot of similarities to a lot of the things that we need to do when we're trying to be a single mum and bring up four kids. So I would say very much, yes, I think my job role has just advanced and I think managing to juggle everything now, like I really think I should be Wonder Woman. I think you are. You sound like Wonder Woman, actually. <laughs> and do you know why that is? That's only because I'm mentally well. And that's only because I know how to manage my mind and my, my brain is wired to the right part of my left prefrontal cortex in my mind because I do all the solution-focused stuff that I teach. I do it day in, day out on myself. And it really, really helps me then to manage that journey, that crazy journey of life that we're all going through right now because life is tough, super tough. Yeah, life is tough. Do you think that having a healthy mind 
enables you to focus and perform better on your work and even just not even just on your work just in the daily life your daily life as well oh my share 100 100 when i think back to what i was like a wee back 12 15 years ago when i was in a really dark place when i think about some clients that come to work with me who are suicidal or who have been to see psychiatrists for 18 months that are in that really dark bad place and to know the difference that people can feel within a matter of weeks then it's phenomenal and that's all down to how mentally well you're feeling when I say mentally well to me there is far too much like oh we've got depression we've got anxiety we've got stress right the whole world right now is on that mental health spectrum everybody needs to have this understanding of how their brain works the neuroscience to understand the two different parts of their brain, why they're feeling angry, why they're feeling anxious, why they're feeling depressed, why they're not sleeping properly, right? It's all knowledge that people should understand and know. But when we go to the GP or you start to look online about mental health, it starts to make it a problem. Whereas mental health should not be a problem. Mental health should be a solution. And that solution is to allow us all to live our best lives, to perform amazing at work, to hit our KPIs, to be able to go away and work offshore for 12 weeks and still come back and hold down a relationship and still like manage to keep mentally well. And that only happens when people have got intellectual mind control and their brains operating from that left prefrontal cortex, when their stress bucket's empty and got room in it. And again, that's a really interesting point because people often think that stress is caused by events. It's caused by having to go away and work offshore over Christmas. It's caused by perhaps a deadline in a big project, perhaps it's caused by a manager that you don't go on well with. It's not actually caused by those things. So our stress buckets actually fill with our negative thoughts, with our worries, our judgments, our criticisms, our negative self-talk that all comes from that crazy man or the crazy lady voice inside our heads. And it's only once we start to understand and have that penny dropping moment of, ah, wait a minute here, this voice is actually separate to who I am that we can stop filling that stress bucket and we can then live a life that allows us to wake up in the morning and feel mentally well and mentally motivated that we can go to our job and we can do really, really well from it. And I think, to me, Michelle, that's how I've started doing more stuff over the last couple of years with organisations because mental health is not managed to me in the right way in that it's all about performance, it's all about the bottom line, isn't it, in business? Of course it is. But ultimately then, if employment, if employees are not actually teaching their employees how to manage their minds and how to manage that part of their brain that is going to give them anxiety, depression and anger, then they're never going to have a productive organisation. Yeah, I agree, actually. I do agree. And trying to say, well, we'll send you, like, we'll go off sick for six months and we'll go and go and see your GP or we'll send you to the EAP and we'll put you through like 12 weeks of counselling and daddy, daddy, da. It's not the answer because, again... People then go and spend 12 weeks at counselling sessions talking about the problem, talking about their OCD, talking about how rubbish the relationship is, talking about how much they hate their job, how much money they've not got. And we focus all the time on the negatives, whereas doing things with an outset method is very much about, all right, okay, let's draw a line under that. A bit like driving the car. Sometimes we need to look in the rearview mirror, but then we're looking straight forward. Okay, well, what are we doing then to change this? What are we doing to show you how to manage your mind and that relationship with the voice in your head? which is going to mean that you're going to move away from the part of your brain that's got the templated behaviours like binge eating or bulimia or OCD, whatever they may be, and start to give you more intellectual mind control. So cool. Yeah, because there is a lot of people that 
when if they if they do have anxiety or they are depressed, will just go and sick for, you know, take sick leave. Whether they're actually getting any help during that time that they're off, it is quite concerning because they might not be getting any help either. Absolutely, and I think what happens is because I've been in that place and I see it by a lot of people that come to see me for the first kind of first appointment that people are in such a dark place, Michelle, that. The only option they've got, and again, this all comes down to how our brains and our bodies work, right? So ultimately, if you think about a little triangle, right, at the top of the triangle, we've got our personal factors, which is things to do with jobs, relationships, finances, health, right? At the bottom corner of the other triangle, we have got our psychological factors. That's all the stuff that goes on in our mind, our overthinking, our catastrophizing, right? At the other side of that, we've got a physiological, so that's what happens in our bodies, how we're sleeping, whether we're getting heart palpitations, whether we're feeling sick, whether we're feeling fatigued, and they're all directly linked. So when one thing starts to go wrong in one area, like in your job or whatever, then you start to get a lot of physiological and psychological symptoms in your body. So it's all got to do with the central nervous system. And again, once I tell people this, right, it's almost like that, oh, wow, wait a minute here, right? Ultimately, the physiology of the human body is supposed to make you go into that kind of freeze mode, right? They call it sympathetic shutdown. So when you're actually really, really bad with anxiety, stress, depression, when your stress bucket's so full, ultimately your body's going to put you into that shutdown mode when it stops you having, like it, it stops all your feelings in your fingers and gives you tingling fingers and things because it's all going to your heart. It's trying to get you to survive and stay away from that tiger. So when a lot of people end up throwing in sick to their work, it's because they've got no other option because their body's in this sympathetic shutdown mode that they're petrified. They feel completely overwhelmed. There's nothing they can do about it. And the chances are, because they then feel in such a bad place, and you often go to the GP who perhaps suggests that you wait on the waiting list for some counselling or you start taking medication, it then becomes a vicious cycle because then all the thoughts in your mind, that crazy voice in your head starts saying, oh my God, you've got anxiety. You're never going to feel better from this oh my God, something bad's going to happen. You've now got cancer, you've got this, you've got the next thing. However, health anxiety shows up for you. And people end up then not being able to go back to their work because they're in this vicious cycle. And actually, they don't have anxiety. They don't have depression. They just don't know how to manage that relationship and understand how they, when they can move themselves away from that negative obsession. Or we know when we're in that limbic survival part of our brain, it's going to give us three things. Anxiety, anger, depression. It goes back to our cavemen and cavewomen days when we're trying to fight off and we're trying to make sure that we're safe. That part of the brain, Michelle, has never, ever changed, right? We are now going around our jobs. We're now trying to work in teams and prioritise things and do meetings and make sure our own life's fine and we're healthy, we're looking after our family. And actually, our survival part of our brain, the limbic brain and the vagus nerve, has actually been around way longer than what our human intellectual mind has been. So at the minute, there's so many people that are operating from this limbic part of their brain that all it knows what to do is to try and keep you alive. It doesn't know how to manage worrying thoughts. It doesn't know how to manage a really busy diet. It doesn't know how to calm you down. And that is why there's such a crazy mess right now with the population and everybody's mental health because we're all in this part of our brain that gives us anxiety, anger, depression, which also then gives us negative thinking, catastrophizing and obsessional thinking. Okay. Yes, I agree, actually. Have you had any career disasters and how did you handle them? Oh, my goodness. You know what You know what things to mind when you ask me that? And I talk about this in my book, actually, as well, because my books are very honest. 
kind of in the beginning anyway, before I start talking about how you can have that transformation, I kind of talk a lot about my own life and experiences. When I worked for a pharmaceutical company, a wee bit before I had my children, my mental health was at its worst. And I remember at that time getting asked to obviously go and present in meetings or to perhaps go up and stand on stage and do something at conferences. And I remember one time going into such a panic attack, Michelle, that I literally had to stay up in my room in the hotel that night when I was actually down at head office and say that I wasn't feeling well. And it was such a scary, scary part of my career and my life because at that point I almost didn't ever see that there was going to be a solution. I thought that I was never going to progress my career and move forward in my career because I would never be able to present in meetings. I would never be able to stand up on stage because I was going to always have panic attacks. And that for me was a massive turning point in my career when I really knew that it was time to do something about it. And I think, do you know what the contrast in that is? Look at me now when I'm regularly doing presentations and I'm standing up on stage and like I'm doing all these podcasts and I do loads of live videos and things. And I think it's just been such a, such a turnaround for me. Yeah, it's it sounds like it. Because even, I think even my own situation, previously, because of my past, I would sometimes, you know, sit in the background. I would obviously do my work and do it really well. Yeah. But I would always, you know, kind of hide in the background and not take a front seat. Because yeah. you're obviously competing with the other guys as well for Absolutely. to be heard and stuff like that. So yeah. I can really appreciate where you're coming from as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is your zone genius? What are you really good at? Oh, my goodness. I should have probably asked you to give me these questions beforehand eh, so I could have prepared some of these answers. That's another great question. What is my zone of genius? I would definitely say my zone of genius is being able to give somebody that change in their mental health from being in that dark place to having that realisation. And the majority of people generally will start probably crying or say to me, Lynn, I can't believe that I've spent so many months and years feeling like this and I've studied and I've read books and I've done everything under the sun trying to make myself better. And within a matter of you giving us an explanation about the now step and what it is and how it works and how we're going to change that, then for the first time they see light at the end of the tunnel. It's definitely one of the things that I think I've been gifted with, Michelle, and how I've ended up being in this journey is just sharing something that's so simple with other people to allow them to live their best version of their life. Okay. It must be such an amazing feeling, though, to, to be able to bring someone from being in the depths of despair of anxiety oh, I, or, or depression to oh, to start making them feel better. It absolutely is. And I think especially like people often as well, when they're like, maybe after the first couple of sessions, they'll be like, when, like we've been get, I've been getting really bad suicidal thoughts or I've been having these thoughts about this. And when they have that moment of realisation with like, wow, actually our minds, our energy, our minds move. There's no different than the dreams that you have at night time when, let's say you dreamt last night that you woke up in the morning and you had like, ran away with your next door neighbor's husband or wife we don't wake up in the morning and go through and like chap on their door and be like right pack your suitcase we're leaving together we're going to be in this new life we understand that at night time when our mind moves and we have thoughts that is just energy so to be able to get people to have the realization that when they have these thoughts during the day no matter how bad they may be that ultimately that it's all right and that there is a way that they can manage these thoughts and they can manage their minds it's just it gives me the goosebumps, Michelle, every time I do it. It's amazing. Amazing. Thank you. 
No, it sounds amazing, actually. It is. So what does your average week look like? <laughs> my average week? Well, I... Um, my average week? What does my average week look like? My goodness. Do you know what? There's not two weeks for me at the same as one. I try and... I've got my kids in the morning that I've also got to drop off at school. So for me, day to day starts about six o'clock. I am not one of these people that does any of this, like get up at five in the morning and let's meditate at that time of the day. That is not my bag at all. So my day starts with getting up, obviously seeing my puppy, taking the kids to school. I will always now go for a walk with the dog. And I aim to start my working day about 10 o'clock, which is something that I'm obviously very blessed to be able to do. And generally, my my week is made up from having one-to-one clients that have either come to me like through LinkedIn or through recommendation, or it'll be doing training sessions with organizations perhaps maybe one of their departments going through a lot of change and they obviously want to help everybody to understand how they can communicate better and how they can be more intellectually minded so I often have group sessions like that I also do lives inside my membership which I do sometimes as well and in between that time Michelle I am out for walks and hanging out my washing and doing all the things my yoga and the things that make me feel good in myself yeah, it's good to keep active, actually. It's, it's, oh, my goodness. It's, of course it is, absolutely, because I think, like, a lot of people, I know for me, like, all the lack of movement and things over the whole thing with COVID and being stuck in the house, a lot of people are feeling down on themselves in regards to the weight they've put on and how their eating's changed and all that kind of stuff. But it's definitely massively affect you because, again, that's all the stuff that fills your stress bucket because it's negative thinking. So, again, for, for me, it's been something that I prioritise as making sure my day that and even before I had the puppy I'll always make sure that I get out for a walk because again it's just getting movement into your day and getting outside and and seeing the skies and realizing that when we stop and look up there's a big big massive universe and world out there and all the little problems that are faced with us in our inboxes and on our whatsapps and in our teams and things like that are not actually significant okay no I agree who do you depend on in your work? Because you must be a one-man band. So do you depend on anybody else? What yes. Kind of- I have got a wonderful girl who works and does VA stuff for me. So she obviously, she lives down south in England, actually. But nowadays, everything's just done online. So she is a massive support. So she does a lot of stuff in regards to helping me with posting and doing stuff, obviously, like in regards to my like, background systems, like Kajabi and Easy Peasy Funnels, when it's a lot of things to do with setting up email campaigns and all that kind of stuff. So she is a massive, massive help. And I've got a great community of friends that are in business as well that we regularly obviously chat and support each other as well just to, because it can be quite a lonely world when you're doing your own business and you're working on your own. But obviously because I know the things that I need to do, Michelle, to make sure that I never go back to that place when my stress bucket's filled and I'm living from that place of anxiety, then... I work every single day making sure that my mental health is good and that means by surrounding myself with the right positive people. I was going to ask you, what motivates you when things get tough? What motivates me? Probably my children. I think this may sound a little bit corny, but ultimately my children are my reason for waking up in the morning, my reason for breathing. My children are the reason that I walked away from a very unhappy marriage. My children are the reason that I... I've worked so hard to train, trademark my own mental health management method. My children are my reason that I spent time writing a book over the past 12 months, which was a massive, massive task over and above everything else I do. So ultimately, they're my, they're my reason. 
So what would your advice be for anybody that was maybe struggling with anxiety, depression? How, how would they be able to keep themselves motivated? I think one of the things that's really easy, again, is going back to what I spoke about in the beginning, is thinking about that three Ps, positive action, positive interaction, which leads to positive thinking. Scientists are adamant and they know that it was the same reward a way back all those billions of years ago when we were cavemen and cavewomen, when they never had painkillers, they never had hospitals, they never had stuff to keep them entertained. It's the same thing then that gave them, helped them cope with pain, helped them to be motivated a way back then. And that's that transmitter, neurotransmitter called serotonin, which ultimately people know is a happy hormone. So not that I recommend that my clients go out and try and fight off saber-toothed tigers or sleep in a cave, but very much if we can think every day about what am I doing today for my positive action? Okay, what am I doing today to get my positive interaction? If we're spending time doing things positively, then we're going to have positive thoughts surrounding that. And again, that's all about the process that I take people through in regards to having more intellectual mind control and filling and emptying that stress bucket is about, okay, how can we start putting things in place in a day that allow us to feel some joy? How can we allow us to get back to doing the things that make us feel motivated? Okay, thank you. What made you change industries? Because obviously you started off as a nurse. What made you change? Again, it's just been a natural natural progression for me in that... Because obviously my mental health got really bad, I then knew that I needed, once I got the solution, once I managed to manage my own mental health, I knew that I had to go and help other people. Like it was almost like a calling. And I guess that goes back to me having been a midwife in that I love helping people. I love supporting other people. So for me, it's just been a natural, a natural progression. Okay, thank you. Yeah, because I always think about when we're talking about us, I always think about one of the guys that actually I used to work with on one of my old projects. I didn't realise it at the time, but he was really, really in a bad way. And yeah. he actually took his own life. Absolutely. Yeah. So I keep on thinking about him during Absolutely. Absolutely, Michelle. And do you know what? That happens. We know that happens. There's been so much more. Like, there's so much more awareness now in regards to suicide. And and ultimately, for any of your listeners that are feeling that really, really low way right now, please just know that there is a, there is a way out. Like, when you're... To try and explain it, when we've got all that in our minds going on and we have those thoughts about I'd be better not here and blah, 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 and I'll drive off that bridge and whatever, we feel like we are those thoughts. We feel like we are that crazy man or crazy lady voice inside our head. So there's no getting away from it. It's almost like it's suffocating you. But please just, listeners, understand and know that there is absolutely things that can be done. You can easily start to understand and learn that that relationship with that voice and you are two very, very separate things. Because for me, I always thought that he had he had the most amazing life. He had he was a family man as well. He had kids. He had a wife. But that's it. But that's the same scenario, isn't it? The same Michelle with everybody. Like even back when my mental health was at its worst, like I, I was I lived the life of Riley. I was married to a very like well off man. We lived in a most stunning, big, beautiful farmhouse overlooking the coast and five across to Edinburgh. Like everything was amazing. But yeah. Inside my brain, my brain wasn't wiring properly. So my brain was wiring all to this primitive, limbic part where we've got our amygdala and our hippocampus where we get all our templated behaviours. So I was stuck in that part of my brain, which was obviously giving me all my negative obsessional thinking. So I was continuously in a place of, I'm not good enough, I'm worrying about this, I'm going to put my kids to bed at night, they're going to die, I'm going to go in the car tomorrow, I'm going to drive into a tree. Like My mind was full of all those things because that's the part of my brain that I was in. So again, it's not about anybody that's listening right now. When people suffer from their mental health, 
They can have the most amazing life in the world. They can be the CEO of the biggest oil and gas company of the world. They can have the biggest house. They can have whatever they want in life. But ultimately, if their brain's not operating from that right place, none of that's ever going to matter because it's always going to show up as anxiety, depression or anger or a combination of all three. It's always going to show up like that. So again, unless people get the proper help and recognise that in a solution-focused way, they can absolutely move away from that part of their brain. It's like a seesaw, right? So right now, the majority of the world, the majority of employees and corporate organisations are operating from that limbic primitive part of their brain. What we need to do is we need to help them to understand how they rewire, how they rethink, to move them away from that part of their brain that shows up as suicidal thoughts, as OCD, as binge eating, and allow them to operate from the part of their brain, the left prefrontal cortex, that gives them intellectual mind control. And that's not something that you can do by taking medication or by just going out for a walk every day or by sitting talking to your friends and counsellors about the problem. It's the only way we can do it is by using the now-step method and being solution-focused. Yeah, I think I think the, one of the main things as well is you have to really open up to someone because a, a lot of the men, especially a lot of the men, they don't really like to talk about their feelings and stuff. Of and course they do. don't. And I think that's why one of the reasons that I developed the method that I obviously have trademarked now is because I know, having lived with somebody that, like, obviously, again, was quite up and down with his moods, I see, and obviously, they ran a family business, I've seen a lot of the pressures and things like that that are involved in that as well. When I was actually doing my mental health management method, the now step, I often had men in mind, Michelle, because they do see things very, very differently. Men don't want to go and speak to a counsellor and talk about their marriage breaking down or their upbringing and how much their dad never spent time with them. Men want to do things a very, very different way. And that's why the method that I teach is very practical in that when they come to see me, I don't talk about the past. So I'm not interested in when, how they were brought up or like how their like, feelings are and things like that. It's not about that. It's very much teaching them about the neuroscience and the practicalities and how they can manage that relationship with their brain and their mind. It's amazing. Men totally, men totally love it. I've actually got a good few reviews on Amazon for my book that men that I've not even worked with that I've obviously found in a book and I've written reviews on it on Amazon so for men it's an amazing way for them to manage their mental health too I think so too yes not any of this like mamsy pamsy like let's talk about our emotions and let's cry and get like you don't do that it's very much like right okay this is where we're at let's give you a solution how we can rewire your brain to the part that's going to make you be a great dad a great partner a great leader a great CEO a great manager whatever that may be it is because even even as an engineer, I feel like because I am mainly working with the men. If the men do have problems, they often do come and talk to me. Yeah, and I yeah. often do try and support them the best that they can. Whereas mm-hmm. I might not necessarily do that with another guy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, if any men are listening and struggling right now, there's a different way that you can you can do things differently. And if anybody wants to reach out, then again, I'm more than happy to have a chat with anybody to support them in regards to how they're feeling. There's things that I see, I work with men day in, day out, and it's things that I see all the time. And it's just, yeah, there's a there's there's a there's hope at the end of the tunnel to see. Okay, thank you. One final question I have. If you could turn back time, would you change anything? No. Never. Never ever. I think I'm very very blessed, Michelle, and that I have always lived my life to the very best of its ability. And as although times are hard at times and some days I think to myself, my goodness, how am I going to get myself through this? Like, I very much see the way that I manage my life 
is a difference between somebody getting thrown overboard in a storm and drowning, whereas I've got my life jacket on, right? And I know that regardless of what life's going to throw at me, and sometimes I might get thrown overboard and be in those choppy seas and my wee legs might be going like mad, but I know I've got my life jacket on and I'm going to stay afloat. And I know the gift that I've got of understanding present moment living and being able to be present without that crazy lady voice in my head has basically followed me all the way through my life. And I think everything that I've done so far has got me to exactly where I am today. And if anybody goes on to read my book, they'll understand a bit more about the now step and ultimately what it is. But the now step is ultimately the only place that we can live where our mind's not in the past or in the future. Because what happens is our minds don't live on the now state. They take us into the past. So they take us a week ago. We're replaying a conversation we had with somebody. We're taking us back. Six years ago, we're thinking about our last Christmas with our dad before he died, right? We're only ever going to get sadness, regret and guilt and depression. Similarly, when we go forward in life off that now state, a week from now, oh my God, what's Christmas Day going to be like? I'm falling out with my mother-in-law. Maybe we're going even further forward than that to a wedding we've got coming up. We're only ever going to get anxiety, fear and worry. So for me, because I well and truly manage my mind to live from the now state, I never allow myself to go back into the past to actually think, oh, should I, should I have done that differently? Because I just be very, very grateful that I'm at where I'm at today and everything has brought me to a place. One of my... Um, favourite sayings, and I'll maybe just leave you with this for your listeners to ponder on, is never fight your past and never fight your future, but rather show up for life on the now state and accept it exactly as it is. Thank you. It's a really good message, actually. Thank you. So, yep, when we go back into the past and try and think, oh, I should have done that differently, or why did I do that, or whatever, that's going to give us depression, sadness, regret and guilt. The only way to not feel depressed is to learn how to manage your mind, to not go there and to live in the present moment. Similar to anxiety. Anxiety is something, again, that is only caused because people don't know how to manage their mind right here, right now. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank well, you for having me. I have loved, loved, loved chatting to you and I really hope that some of the messages and some of the things we've spoken about today have helped your listeners, Michelle, and they know that Times that I think are hard. Times can be hard at times, but there is a solution yes. if you learn how to manage your mind. Yeah, that's all the questions I have for today. I would like to thank Lynn for your time. Thank you for having me. And that brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. That brings us to the end of another episode. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, I'd like to gently encourage you to leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts and share the show with another person. You can also follow me on LinkedIn or via my website, www.michellefraserconsultancy.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.